from west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, I see you've whipped out your lightsaber, so that can only mean one thing. You got a sneak preview of Galaxy's Edge. I did. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Earlier this week, I was part of a media event uh, surrounding the 30th anniversary of Disney's Hollywood Studios. So happy birthday, Hollywood Studios, MGM, whatever we want to call it. Uh, Regardless, you're 30 now, so probably feels better than, than... 29 did i don't know can't Uh, can't be trusted yeah (laughs) Uh, but no it was it was a very exciting uh, it was a very exciting time so uh, just it found out very uh, you know very close to when the event was about to kick off that that i was going to have the chance to to strap on some steel toe boots and and put on some safety glasses and walk behind behind closed doors and actually step inside Star Wars Galaxy's Edge here at, at Walt Disney World for the very first time. And it, I, I, I'm still trying to, to get words for it. So uh, it's, it's been a day now since, since I've seen it. And I, I'm still at a loss for words. Just so it exceeded expectations. I don't want to say that yet because here the portion that we got to see is it was very far along the way, but it still has a lot of work to be done. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it also doesn't help that the section that we saw was we walked in by Muppet Vision 3D and that's where uh, the Rise of the Resistance attraction is going to be just right beyond that entrance. And so it, it still has a little bit more to be done in that area than than over kind of in the main market area and where the Millennium Falcon is. So uh, it it was kind of difficult with that. But the main thing is you walk in and it felt expansive. Like I, I know Pandora feels large. This felt even larger and just in terms of the width and seeing the rock work even though you were all we are completely kept intact uh, it just it it felt massive and we like to the point that you couldn't see the end of it from where we were standing and i looking at like an aerial map while standing in there you realize like you couldn't see the end of it because we were standing in such a tiny portion of it and it just keeps going on and on and on and so it's just the the detail that that they put into this it even though star wars isn't real as a location 
they have found a way to make this this feel real. And I, I think one of the things he said afterwards when kind of discussing it is, you know, it, I'm not trying to knock Pandora at any point in time, but that was essentially a CGI created world that then they brought to life uh, realistically. But at the end of the day, when I go back and watch Avatar, I'm watching a big CGI world. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same connect. And I know so many aspects of Star Wars are also CGI, but Star Wars also has its moments where it's all about realism and using practical effects, practical creatures, practical sets. And this all feels like it. they could walk in and film a Star Wars movie in there if they really wanted to. And I'm just blown away and the weirdest thing about it that i always forget about when i talk to anyone about it is you know when you walk into pandora the soon as you get inside there you know the the entire area changes in terms of sound and and you know you're hearing animals and wildlife and you 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 feel like you're in a different place and you feel cut off it that in that in that section, you know, that you are kind of cut off. You're you're off to the back and you're not really close to anything else. With with this, uh we were standing outside Grand Avenue where Muppet Vision 3D is and it was loud, it was noisy, everything it just felt so disruptive. And the second we walked through and we got into the land, everything just went quiet. Like the only thing you could hear wow. was the construction. I couldn't hear anything outside of that area. That's of the amazing. Park. Yeah, and sure. I I would be interested to see if if the same goes for the entrance and exit by Toy Story Land, uh, that where where you can come in from that side. But I asked the Imagineers, and I said, "Is this? Are you going for the same effect that you tried with Pandora, where everything just changes sound-wise, and you feel cut off from the rest of the park?" And they said, "Absolutely." And so I think I think they nailed it from that aspect. That's interesting. It's going to be interesting to, to when we learn what the ambient noise, you know, background music, yeah. you know, things like that, what it'll be. Well, and it changes so many different environments because where the rise of the resistance is, it's more of like a forest on the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost. And then once you, you make your way into the actual, like the area where they have the restaurants and Millennium Falcon and, and shopping, I'm sure that will take over the vibe and have the ambient sounds of a real market. And, you know, whether or not you'll be able to hear any of it on a normal day where it's insanely busy and crowded in there, I'm not quite sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they are they are going to nail everything about this and so i am i am now on the countdown clock from uh from seeing galaxy's edge here in walt disney world to when i'll get to to step through and see it uh, a finished version complete version in disneyland just at the end of may here so i'm i could not be more excited than I am mm-hmm. right now for it. I, I know my voice doesn't say it. I was run ragged two days straight because it wasn't just Galaxy's Edge. We also got to see the debut of of the wonderful world of animation, the new projection show at Hollywood Studios, and that happened. And 
there was other little bits of excitement throughout the throughout the time the the cavalcade that happened on the 30th anniversary that was uh, not really a parade that was worthy of celebrating a park's 30th anniversary but you'll have that and then i don't know if you saw it but the the grand the big reveal that they were they had a big secret announced uh that they they wanted specifically for the live stream they were doing this morning and while most people were hoping for potentially a name change all they got was a brand new logo that now features bb8 woody and mickey mouse in it Oh, I didn't see that. I thought you were talking about the restaurant because I saw your video on that. Oh, it, it, there was the the restaurant announcement, a table mm-hmm. service restaurant coming to Toy Story Land. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll have a pop-up shop at the exit of Midway Mania or just Toy Story Mania for to celebrate Toy Story 4 and add more merchandise in. But yeah, they, they changed the logo from Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, from just the the typical uh, kind of Hollywoodish looking font that they had before to now a very clean and modern design and in the O's they they put characters kind of popping oh, okay. out of it so uh, not it's see it was it was such a big secret that they couldn't wait to reveal and then someone uh, who pays attention to Disney news wasn't even on their radar right away so that's how much of a big exciting announcement it was but uh, you'll have it someone was excited yeah. i'm sure oh i'm sure well we'll look forward to seeing all your videos and hearing oh. you talk about it next tuesday on our um you know our Walt Disney World show yep and i'm looking forward to it so, and of course, another the other big thing is that that happened this past week. Did you see Avengers Endgame? Oh yeah, of course I saw Avengers <laughs> Endgame. Okay. A little delay I there. <laughs> yeah. I uh, no, of course I saw it. So I wasn't able to go on on Thursday night to get a showing. Uh, of course, I probably would have been able to, but. Um, I am very particular about what theaters I see movies in. And for something on the scale and epicness of Avengers Endgame, I had to see it in a Dolby theater. So I needed Mm -hmm. the best visuals. I needed the best sound. And uh, so I had to wait until Friday very early in the morning to get in a show. And it was worth staying off social media for for like 16 hours straight just to not get anything spoiled from. And I... I understand where there are some people that that didn't care for it that much or saw saw things that were wrong with it. All I will say is I felt that it it lived up to my expectations for it perfectly. It was the movie yeah, I wanted. I enjoyed to see. it. Yeah, I, I want, this is one of the rare times I want to see it again in the theaters. Yeah. Now that I've experienced it. And I sort of wanted, I, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I've seen some of the people nitpicking things. I thought, yeah, sometimes you just have to sit back and enjoy a film. One of the characters that I've talked on the show before, who my two favorite superheroes were growing up. To, and one of them, I really liked how his story arc played out. Yeah. It was perfect. And that's the one where people are fussing about a bit. And, and the other. I don't know. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> but it sounds like he's going to be around a while. So, um, in some fashion. But I thought, 
You know, I think I would have liked to have seen his story go in a different way. Yeah, ma'am. <laughs> so, and um, anyway, but I liked it. I, I thought it was great. I, with, I, of course, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but I do like as they sought resolution how they connected. I mean, we all know these films were all leading up to this, you know, all the the past films. I like how they showed sort of how some of those films connected to this. Oh yeah. And, no, it's um it was very well done. Yeah, and again without so. giving any spoilers on it, they they did uh connect it and I I it was probably half fan service and then half as an interesting way to to bring the story full circle, but I mm-hmm. am right there with you. I and also, like you just said, uh, as you started talking about it, this is one that I will see in the theaters twice, and it is rare that I see anything twice. The only the last time I've seen a movie in a theater twice was I saw Infinity War twice, because the first time I didn't really care for it, and I wanted to see if maybe I was being too hard, just didn't have a good theater experience, and ultimately my feelings kind of stayed, but... Uh, but any expectations that Infinity War didn't live up to, uh, Endgame, Endgame did and exceeded it. So mm-hmm. I was very. Yeah, happy. I agree. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was it was just fun, and I did not notice that three hours went by. Yep, at all. Agree. I, yeah. So, in episode sixty-seven, Craig and I traveled back to Disneyland in nineteen fifty-eight. You know, we thought with the Disneyland preparing for the largest expansion in its history with the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on May 31st, we thought it would be fun to board our Carousel of Progress Wayback Machine and travel back to the year 1959 to spend a day at Disneyland. And why are we revisiting Walt's Park just a year later? Well, a lot happened back in 1959. Yeah, the uh, the e-ticket was added to the Disneyland coupon books at a value of 50 cents per ticket, and a new slang phrase was introduced, e-ticket, meaning the ultimate experience. In the summer of 1959, the Dapper Dan's, a barbershop quartet, performed for the first time on Main Street. And on Saturday, July 25th, the Disneyland steam engine, the Ernest S. Marsh, was commissioned and began service. And it's named after uh, the 1959 Santa Fe Railroad president, Ernest Marsh, and it's a rebuilt 1925 England locomotive, New England locomotive. And over in Frontierland, many attractions were closed to make way for a newly reimagined pack mules through Nature's Wonderland attraction. Also, the live horses proved to be unreliable for transportation on the Conestoga wagons. Yeah. Now, just like we're looking ahead at the largest expansion in Disneyland's history in just a few weeks, 1959 was the first large expansion for Disneyland with the addition of several attractions. So on Thursday, January 1st, the Fantasyland Utopia is opened and sponsored by the Richfield Oil Company. On Saturday, June 6th, the Submarine Voyage, sponsored by General Dynamics, is opened in Tomorrowland. 
On Sunday, June 14th, the Disneyland Alwig monorail debuted, featuring an above-ground tour of Tomorrowland in the streamlined Mark I monorail. On Sunday, June 14th, the Matterhorn bobsleds open in Fantasyland, and the Tomorrowland Utopia was updated and reopened with the new Mark V Utopia cars. And several attractions also closed at Disneyland in 1959. In January, Circa Rama USA featuring the film Tour of the West was closed. On Sunday, September 13th, Rainbow Mountain Stagecoaches in Frontierland are closed. On Wednesday, September 30th, the Conestoga Wagons in Frontierland are closed, again due to those unpredictable horses. On Friday, October 2nd, Rainbow Ridge Pack Mules in Frontierland are closed. On Sunday, October 11th, Rainbow Cavern Mine Train is closed to be rebuilt. And in December, the World Beneath Us film in Tomorrowland closed. So... Back in episode 67, we talked about the history of the Disneyland coupon books and why they were started. So that won't be a part of today's discussion as we walk out of our Wayback Machine and into 1959. Hey, Craig, doesn't that fellow selling water bottles out of that cooler near the entrance to Disneyland look familiar? It sure does. Why, (laughs) it's my old friend and colleague from the Dis Unplugged podcast Disneyland edition, Tony Spatel. Tony, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm making a good, decent living selling these these water bottles. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Good. Yeah, I don't even want to ask what led you to this sorry state, but I'm glad you're doing well. Hey, we are going to Disneyland uh, in 1959. You want to join us? I do. I do. All of the new things that are going that are opening, I'm a little frustrated with now I've got to pay 50 cents for this <laughs> ticket. I don't know if it's really worth it, but. Oh, they are. Wait, wait till you see what all the cool new stuff that's opening, all these new and there's a new ticket, an e-ticket. So but 50 pl- cents. That's so expensive. (laughs) That is. I know you're going to have to sell a whole lot of water bottles for that. (laughs) Anyway, well, to plan out our day, we are using a 1959 coupon book. And there are a few changes from the 1958 coupon book. Uh, The early 1959 ABCD coupon book included at least two bonus tickets. These tickets were good for the first four months of the year, uh, probably to get folks in the park. Um, before uh, all the big e-ticket attractions open. The Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough was lowered to a B-ticket attraction in 1959. The Rainbow Caverns Mine Train was featured on the D-ticket, the highest level at the time, but in June, when the E-ticket was introduced, the mine train was lowered to a C-ticket. The famous e-ticket was introduced in June, along with the Matterhorn bobsleds, Disney Alwig monorail, and the submarine voyage. Also, if you listen back to our show in episode 67, you're going to realize the Fantasyland attractions got moved around. The Santa Fe Disneyland Railroad got moved up to be an e-ticket. Um, as was common in those days, attractions moved up the scale or they move down the scale in their ticket book value depending upon their popularity so so keep a sharp ear out for where the 
where some of these attractions have moved. This set of tickets also changed the lettering style of the ticket values from the previous black and bold font to a style uh, that's newer and a contrasting red and narrow font style that we've come to associate with the coupon books. So we're actually visiting Disneyland on June 14th, 1959. So if you have some sort of uh, Doc Brown DeLorean, you know exactly which (laughs) day uh, to to specifically input. And the good thing about this day is that the new e-ticket attractions are actually open. But let's go over uh, let's go over all of our options here. So the A ticket options are valued at ten cents, and these are in Main Street on Main Street, I should say, the Main Street horse cars, Surrey's, as well as the Main Street motor vehicles. In Tomorrowland, you have the twenty thousand leagues exhibit. Fantasyland, we have King Arthur Carousel, or then any other A attraction. Uh, the B ticket options are valued at twenty cents, and those were in Fantasyland. Sleeping Beauty Castle, Casey Jr. Circus Train, Mickey Mouse Club Theater, and Midget Autopia, or any B attraction. Uh, the C ticket options are valued at $0.30, cents, and these are on Main Street, Shooting Gallery, Tomorrowland had Circa Rama, Fantasyland had Mad Tea Party, and Dumbo Flying Elephant, uh, Frontierland had Shooting Gallery, Rainbow Caverns Mine Train, Mike Fink Keelboats, Conestoga Wagons, and Indian War Canoes, or then any other C attraction. The D ticket options are valued at $0.35, cents, and these are in Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland Autopia, Astrojet, and Skyway to Fantasyland. In Fantasyland, we have a whole lot, including Peter Pan's Flight, Snow White's Adventures, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Storybook Land Canal Boats, Alice in Wonderland, Motorboat Cruise, Fantasyland Autopia, and Skyway to Tomorrowland, or then any other D attraction. And the e-ticket options were valued at $0.50, and these are on Main Street, the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad trains. Uh, Tomorrowland had TWA Rocket to the Moon, Submarine Voyage, Monorail, and the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad trains. Fantasyland had Matterhorn Bobsleds, and once again, Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad trains. Frontierland, we had the Rainbow Ridge Pack Mules, Rainbow Ridge Stagecoaches, Mark Twain Steamboat, Sailing Ship Columbia, Tom Sawyer Island Rafts, Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad Trains. Adventureland had Jungle Cruise, or then any other e-attraction. So for our visit to Disneyland, we're going to use the 1959 Big 10 coupon book that includes admission and 10 attractions. This coupon book has one A ticket, one B ticket, two C tickets, three D tickets, and three E tickets. And uh, just to kind of set up how we're going to be doing, we're going to start with the A ticket choices and then work our way all the way down to the E ticket choices. So going A, B, C, D, and E uh, for those first couple ones there. Uh, fortunately, uh, it'll be a lot easier to decide. But then as we get further down on those tickets, uh, we're just going to kind of bounce around with choices and and be ra- very random about it the same way we were the last time we did this segment with Tony. So uh, I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today at Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm excited because we are now into the era of the Disneyland I knew as a boy. And, I mean, by 1959, I've already visited the park a couple of times, even though I'm – on June 14th, I'm not even three years old yet. 
So, uh, so I'm excited because this is getting to the the Disneyland that when I think of Disneyland, we all have a Disneyland or a, a, a Magic Kingdom we're nostalgic for. This we are now entering the Disneyland that I am nostalgic for because this Disneyland sort of stayed static for for a while, and uh, with with you know attractions being upgraded and you know refurbished and things but um so this is sort of my disneyland that we're visiting today i i was i wasn't there so but i will be today uh, all <laughs> yeah. i could think about it to start was so yeah, i'll my, show you uh, around. my mom wasn't even a year old when we're doing this very close to a year old but not quite yet <laughs> Yeah, it's well, interesting that you said that everybody has one that they're nostalgic for because now my son, who's about to graduate high school, has now started talking about what he wishes was still there or what he remembers as a kid, and he's now seventeen. It's just interesting. It, oh, it's it's just a cycle, like you said. It mm-hmm. just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. We all we all have different eras that for us that's the park of our memories and our dreams, and wish we could go back to that era of the park and this is sort of we're into my era now that i wish i could go back to and who knows you know while we're visiting we may see walt he well we know he's there june 14th because he's <laughs> dedicating some of these attractions That's true to, to keep That's an app for him yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll trade in a couple <laughs> tickets for that <laughs> definitely <laughs> Oh, look, there's Tinkerbell as we go through the turnstile. (laughs) Okay, well, do you think we should get this started? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, like I said before, we're going to start off with our A-ticket options, and I believe we all have the list in front of us, so... uh, we don't have to go over them again. Uh, you might want to rewind and go back and write them all down in order, as I delicately said, if you want to play uh, play along at home. Uh, but we are we are going to to start with our a ticket options, and I'm going to randomly choose well Michael for the first pick. Right. Hey, this is one that it, I don't think I ever saw it, and. I'm going to go to Tomorrowland and I want to see this 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea exhibit because this this was when, you know, Walt, those of you listened to the Disneyland at 60 um, series that I did when Tony and I were on the Disneyland um, show. uh, we, We, you know, Walt started Tomorrowland late because he thought basically he didn't think they were even going to open it for the opening day of the park. And then he decided last minute, uh, he didn't want anything closed for, he didn't want a fence up or anything like that on opening day. So they, they had to throw stuff together. So this was one of those things that they put in there. It was basically the movie sets from the film. One of my favorites and Craig's 20,000 leagues under the sea. So it was um, a model. Basically you went in there, you passed by an 11 foot ship model of the Nautilus. Then you entered the various rooms, you know, the wheelhouse, the chart room, professor Aranax's cabin, the salon, you went into the pump room, the diving chamber, the fitting chamber, the power supply room, and they had all these displays and they were interactive features that explained 
what what um, the sailors, the seamen did in each of these rooms, what the, what these rooms, um, what their functions were. And then you could see as you look through the portholes, there was sea kelp, there was fish and you had the payoff. There was the giant squid in there and then finally as you it was sort of a a, a a spiral as you walk through and then in the center of the exhibit you saw the last resting place of the nautilus and it showed the submarine um in its final resting place sort of wedged in a in a large rock formation so i would love to to see these sets there now that's that was a good choice so um tony what what would you go with well, I decided when I looked at the list, what would I go on if it was there today? So last time I thought of myself more in the in 1958, and this time I went, well, if I'm if I'm there in 2019 and these exhibits were all there, what would I go on that I would still be happy going on and saying, oh, I had a good day at Disneyland, even though I didn't get to get into anything Star Wars ish because that's five and a half weeks of lines, right? So I actually agreed with Michael and thought 20,000 leagues because this is where I put myself in 2019, the 20,000 leagues exhibit. If let's say now they had an exhibit with the Avengers and one of the movie sets and put that all in there, I would still go. So I can't imagine how excited I would be back in 1959 to see the real movie props and sets. And I would be just as excited if there was a movie today and I could go in and see those things. So mm-hmm. that's why I agree with Michael and pick that just because I would do that today if it was 2019. Yeah. With a, a similar mindset on that, I'm actually in the same boat or I guess the same submarine as both <laughs> of you with that. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I do love the movie and that, that is a huge uh, factor into it, but I would still do this to this day if it would have been around since since this era and still in its exact same place. Like when I went to Disneyland Paris, I had to do the the walkthrough of the Nautilus that they have in that park. Like that was that was one of the things I was not going to leave that park without doing. So granted if if I'm if I'm that excited for one in Paris, then this one should be even better and so it, it's just kind of a, a no-brainer. So I, I emotionally, I wanted to pick the carousel, but being realistic, I'd I'd be all in on twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Good choice. So we're all going to go there together and see Captain Nemo. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go with the B ticket choice next again this is only one ticket for b ticket uh so a lot of good choices there and i'm going to pick tony to start this one so again if i went there today out of the four choices i would pick casey jr circus train just because it's a little bit different and you get to be in the little cage I don't want to, I guess that means probably means something if Freud was, was listening, but I just really like that one compared to the other ones in terms of it being different, unique. And if I went on it today, I would still, Oh, what did you go? Be happy. what did you go on? Oh, I want a Casey junior circus train. And I just, and I like the whimsy of it. So that compared to the other ones, that would be my choice. 
Yeah, it's. I think that would be fun. I love Casey Junior Circus Train. It's it's good. It's not what I would personally choose. I'd be going mm-hmm. for uh, Sleeping Beauty Castle. So uh, I'm assuming that. If this was in 1959, chances are I'm not going to have uh, a lot of fortune to be walking through uh, any castles anywhere else besides <laughs> Sleeping Beauty castles. So uh, I'm going to inevitably choose it. And kind of with the format you're saying, Tony, uh, with, with this, would I still do it today? Well, it would, besides this this last trip when I was there, when it was closed because uh, Project Starlight or whatever, and it was under the castle was under refurb. That was the first time I've been to Disneyland where I wasn't able to to walk through Sleeping Beauty Castle at all, and that I was not okay with that. Uh, so luckily, it'll be done next time. I'm in town for it, but I, I have to go with that. Uh, it's it's now as someone who sells water bottles for a living, I obviously could walk through castles all the time. So it wasn't <laughs> that big of a deal. Yeah, I lived in a castle or live in a castle. So. True, true. <laughs> Michael, uh, what about you? Well, you know, Craig, when you and I were at the Destination D event celebrating Mickey Mouse um, last year, uh, they showed a clip of the Mickey Mouse 3D Jamboree, if you recall. That oh, played I forgot the, about that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was a hoot with every every 3D gimmick there was, with the bubbles, with the Mouseketeers dancing, and they had these 3D soap bubbles, and Jimmy Dodd singing and then turning so that the the, the neck of his guitar would reach out into the audience. I've, so I have got to walk you all over to Fantasyland, you know, to the other end from the castle. And we have to go to the Mickey Mouse Club Theater because I have got to see this. This yeah. <laughs> this Mickey Mouse Club 3D Jamboree. And then they also showed like 3D cartoon in there too, a Chippendale cartoon. And uh, because this is just, it just looked hilarious. And so I would want to see that. I completely forgot about that. But, you know, I, I'm not changing my answer, but I would <laughs> also be happy doing that one, too. It's a toss up. It's a, yeah. all- That was my second place as well, because I was thinking if I'm in 1959, I don't have an iPhone where I can watch any video whenever I want. There's not hundreds and thousands of channels. So that would be exciting. Because the access to shows wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. Yeah. I, I would have yeah, I've been excited about it. Yeah. That's another good point. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to our sea ticket attractions. This time we get two of them. Uh, but it is an insane list full of lots of great stuff, uh, just like the rest of them are too. So I'm going to get things kicked off and my first sea ticket attraction choice will probably have to be, uh, it probably still has to be, I think I chose this in 58, the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train. So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's something that has fascinated me for so long, learning about Disneyland. And I'm sure I wouldn't be disappointed when I finally got the the chance to ride it for the very first time and so I think it would end up becoming something I want to do every single time I go to Disneyland. And uh, from the perspective of being in 2019 now, yeah, I, I still want to do it. So uh, I'm going first choice strong one with Rainbow Caverns Mine Train. But 
Uh, Michael, what about you? You know, even though the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train was always one of my favorite attractions whenever I went to Disneyland in all its iterations, um, I got to go with what I rode these when I was a boy and but they're going away, as you reminded us. Craig, at the beginning of this episode, I have to go in the Conestoga wagon because mm. even it'll be covering this pretty much the same territory as the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train and then some other areas. But uh, uh, it was just fun, and and the the driver would tell you stories and things like that, and you would go up. You know, they had like a hill, and you'd with paths, and you'd go up that as well as alongside some of the areas that the Rainbow Caverns mine train went along. And um, so I, I would just have to go on on those. Hey, you're okay with the smell from the horse? Oh, yeah. Okay. That doesn't bother me. Okay. So. Fair enough. <laughs> it didn't bother me then. <laughs> it wouldn't bother me now. <laughs> yeah. Just on the side, I was upset when I was at Knott's Berry Farm that I didn't have enough time to ride their Conestoga wagons. That mm-hmm. it looked amazing. So I can only imagine what it'd be like doing that at Disneyland. I'm sure it would have been pretty awesome. But Tony, what's your first choice? My mine train, just because even though it's it's you know, nineteen fifty nine, it's the one out of one ride out of a lot of the ones that are no longer there that I think I wish I could have gone on it. Not to mention, kind of randomly, I was at Magic Kingdom not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, and um I, I thought, I really like Disney fake rock. I just love the fake rock mm-hmm. that they put everywhere, like Big Thunder Mountain and Cars Land. Like, I just, there's something about it. I don't know why, but I like it. And I love, not that Rainbow Caverns only had fake rock, but I just like that design and that motif. Oh, and it did. It only had... go on today. Yeah. It only had fake rock. <laughs> but I love, I just love Disney fake rock. I love how Angel yeah. Stadium has the Disney fake rock. So I just like it. I can't explain mm-hmm. it. And but what's amazing is as you go through the park and see the the different uh, attractions over the decades, how much better they got at it mm-hmm. at creating mm-hmm. the rock. Wait till you see Galaxy's Edge. That's I was just thinking real good looking fake rock. Disney rock. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, oh yes, Rainbow Cabins. Cool, Michael. What's your second pick? Well, you know, I can't hit the side of a barn, but I I don't even remember the Main Street Shooting Gallery. And so I've got I I have got to, you know, go up there. This was, you know, at one time at one time there were three shooting galleries in Disneyland because they were so popular. There was one on Main Street, there's one in Adventureland. I think that was the Safari Shooting Gallery, and then there's the Frontierland one. And so uh, you know the, the the arcade at Disney at, on Main Street back in the day in this era had a lot more um, arcade style games, of course, than it does today. But the shooting gallery was one of the most popular games, and it was right in the middle of the street, sort of where um, Gibson Girl is today, is oh. where it was. And so it it was one of the most popular places in the park, and you know they had moving and stationary you know targets and you shot them with a pistol and um so the the main street gallery just had standard targets that you shot at but 
it didn't last terribly long just because of the noise. And people felt, you know, a quiet uh, Main Street USA, uh, you know, shouldn't the air shouldn't be disturbed by the sound of pistols going off. <laughs> so it uh, it was closed. So I just have to experience it before um, it's gone. Not, not that choice. I'll hit it. Not that I'll hit a target. It, I mean, it's all the all that matters is you tried, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Uh, Thank you. Give I, me my trophy. <laughs> and not well, it was 1959. You didn't get a trophy for just trying, I'm sure. No, you didn't. Probably your father said, "Boy, you can't hit the side of a barn." <laughs> and then you went home disappointed. Because uh-huh. you didn't please dad. Like, yeah. yeah That's right. And somehow we survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, barely, though. Barely. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm choosing for my second pick, Dumbo. So I, I passed up the opportunity to move around in a circle in Fantasyland when I didn't ride the carousel. So at least I'm going to do it now from a, a little bit of a higher perspective. And it, I think very similar to my reasoning the last time around when we did this, I, I am still drawn to Dumbo to this day for how iconic it is. And so I, I don't think it matters what time uh, you we do this and whether it's 1959 58 uh, 2025 maybe one day who knows uh i'm tired but uh yeah dumbo it's it's iconic it's something i would mm-hmm. be drawn to immediately yeah and it'll be in its original Disney today for off the shelf rides. I mean, they built a whole theme park, Disney California Adventure, pretty much off the shelf rides. And but the interesting thing is, Dumbo that we all love is an off the shelf ride mm-hmm. with elephants. But yet, you know, Walt pulled it off. And um, you, you know, uh, if if they tried to pull that attraction out of any magic kingdom park that people would chain themselves to that elephant well it just it works because of the elephant it's part Mm -hmm. of the reason why here in walt disney world that for me magic carpets of aladdin doesn't work it's not there's something about riding in dumbo that's exciting where to me there's nothing exciting about riding on a magic carpet that somehow randomly has seats attached and it just doesn't it doesn't have that same excitement to the actual ride vehicle uh something like astro jets or astro orbiter makes me feel like i kind of am you know flying to the flying to the moon or flying in space in a way mm-hmm. so those make sense too not to the same level as dumbo but yeah it's off the shelf can work when you have that mm-hmm. one that one piece of it that really is making it stand out from any other basic carnival attraction. And what made the early Dumbo's cool at Disneyland was the ears flapped Mm. on them. See, if that was still happening today, they would never work. They would just be in a constant (laughs) state of disrepair. They didn't work (laughs) back then either, which is why they don't flap today. There you go. Well, if everybody can just listen to the last two minutes, of what Craig said, that's exactly what I was going to say. I said, okay, well, he already said this. I'm going to mention Aladdin and how that doesn't do the same thing. And then you mentioned that. So basically, I'm 100% 
supporting you on everything you said because I thought of Aladdin as the same thing. No big deal. Don't want to go on it, but I'll go on Dumbo. And there's something, and also elephants are my favorite animals. But you said it exactly the same reasons, the same reasons the other ones don't, the, some work and some don't. And if I was there in 2019, I still, I, I went on it maybe two trips ago. So yeah, it's Dumbo. I'm not mm-hmm. going to repeat everything you said. Just agree with you. Well, great minds think alike. Uh, and next time, yeah. I will stop talking halfway through because we, no. we have agreed on multiple now. So, yes, but uh, I thought I really thought my Aladdin thing. I think okay, I can bring that to the table. And then you brought it. I went okay. Well, we're just I'm I'm just going to agree. I so, didn't yeah. mention <laughs> Triceratops spin at uh, at Animal <laughs> Kingdom though. We, oh, oh yeah. yeah, because that doesn't count. because they had lots of flying Triceratops back in the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I'm I'm waiting for for that cartoon where a Triceratops flies, and then all of a sudden, I can justify why that needs to be there and why that should be an icon. And I hope they have black pterodactyls singing <laughs> when I see a Triceratops fly. <laughs> I don't think that's happening, but <laughs> I yeah, I, I think that one's off off the table there, but. Uh, well, well, we've got bigger and better things to move on to, and that's D ticket attractions. And again, another strong category. This time we have three, though, so uh, we should get to ride most of the things that we're interested in. And for this one, I'm going to start with Tony. Okay, I'm going to start with Skyway to Tomorrowland because I missed that. We won't talk about eighth grade, how my friends got me in trouble for what they did on top of it in the eighth grade field trip. But I, if that was there, I would still write on it. Wait, and on, I just on like top the, of it? Anytime, yeah, that no, public urination charge yes. is still dogging okay, Tony. It, no, it wasn't. Okay, and I was a council. <laughs> no, my friends decided it would be fun to, you know, what you can do with your mouth and make it drop. And they got caught, and I said, you better not tell tell them that I did it. I didn't do it, because I was the good kid. But we were out of security for like 15, 20, it seemed like an hour, and we got <laughs> in trouble. Nothing ended up not really happening. Nothing ended up really happening, but it was scary, because I didn't do it. And my friends shouldn't have done it anyways. But not just because I want to get rid of my, you know, all my psychoses with this event and ride it again to... Remember it positively, because that's probably the last time I went on it. But um, I do love anything that allows you to see the um, the perspective of the park. So, like at, for example, one of my favorite parts at Animal Kingdom is at the very top of. Um, now, of course, I've lost the at the very top of um, Everest, Everest, where you can look and see everything. So the fact that you can do that, I, I really love, and I wish it was still there. Obviously, I know why it was not there anymore. Partially, probably my friend's fault. But, um, yeah, I, love, I, I just love Skyways. So. And as someone who was scared of a lot of rides, that was one of the first ones that I felt, okay, I can do this and not be scared. Like, I was proud of myself for, for doing that, because I know some people still freak out on those, but that was kind of my gateway into going on bigger rides and stuff so i say skyway to tomorrowland it's a good choice 
So, uh, Michael, would you be joining Tony, or are you picking something oh, else? No, I'll be joining Tony. I love the Skyway, the Sky Buckets, and I, I don't. It's either Fantasyland or Tomorrowland, whichever it'll be. But um, yeah, th- these were iconic. And I enjoyed them. I won't be spitting like Tony's friends, but um, but yeah, I'll be right there. I love these. I mi- I do miss these, and they they gave a lot of kinetics to to the park, which was cool. Made it exciting to see those it's, up there. It's not a bad choice. Uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm veering off path. I'm. I'm staying closer to the ground, and I'm going to go with my first choice being Tomorrowland Autopia. So mm-hmm. I'm getting behind the wheel, driving driving my car, and having a good time taking in the the scenes of Tomorrowland, but from a, a much lower perspective. And I'm having a great time, the same way I still have, have a great time riding Autopia anytime I'm at at disneyland so it's just it's unappreciated underappreciated obviously someone appreciates it uh, but it's definitely underappreciated and so i'm giving i'm giving my first one to that but michael what what about your second choice well i'm heading over to the dark rides because i want to go on a couple of dark rides that are they're still there but they were very different in their day, uh, I'm going to go to Alice in Wonderland. It's fairly new in 1959, but it was this was adapted um, by from the film by Imagineer um, Claude Coates, and it really had very little to do with the book. Um, but this was um, the, the, this w- it was very different. You got you still got in your caterpillar, but and you went down the rabbit hole, but you went into an upside down room and it was suggested by the bottom of the um, rabbit hole in the film and then you went to an oversized room and and then and that's where you approached the um, doorway that was painted to look like the huge keyhole and then the Cheshire cat figure appeared and laughed you know in his maniacal little way and they they were just you know painted plywood cutouts in those days and then you went into the garden of live flowers and it told you would scenes and then you were at the table of the mad tea party there and you were you were shrunk in size because all of the um everything you were all of the shrubbery trees and all that was they were way oversized there and then there were a whole lot of um strobe flashes are supposed to be like fireworks um like in the, in the exploding on birthday cake were there and then there were yelling voices and all that and these silly signposts and that led you out to the outdoor winding leaf track and then you exited there was no scene at the bottom of that track you you proceeded to the exit but that the oversized room in that upside down room especially were really cool so I want I would like to see those again. Yeah. I'd be joining you on that. <laughs> so uh it's it still remains to be one of my my favorite Disneyland attractions and I would honestly if if I had to tell people what's what's one thing they couldn't miss in Fantasyland at Disneyland it would it would pretty much be Alice. So uh I'll, oh, I'll I agree with you on that. But Tony, what about yeah. your second choice? I will not be riding with you. I will be going, well, maybe at least at this ride, I will be heading to Peter Pan's flight. Mm. Because 
I would still, and people still wait in that super long line to fly like Peter Pan. And I just love the fact that it's a dark ride, but you're up in the air, just a few feet. But it's funny when you go on it even today and you look just how simple the, the design is, but it really feels like you're flying above the city. Just, I, I just love it. I love everything about it. And I would, I still go on it today. So that's where my whole theme was. And I'm sure you can give me some more history about it, but yeah, I would go on Peter Pan's flight. Oh yeah. This is, this is iconic for the park. I remember when I was a little boy, I went on it every time we went there. Would this be your third choice, Michael? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I had a really hard time with my third choice, but um, what I didn't choose Peter Pan. Oh, did you give us your second choice? I did. Mine, mine oh, was Alice. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're Alice. That's me. I'm going to go on Snow White's Adventures. Uh, again, this was called Snow White and Her Adventures uh, when the park first opened. and but, but this is in the day when you didn't see the characters in any of the dark rides because you were the character. You were experiencing the, the, everything through the eyes of the character. And uh, so this, again, was very different. When you boarded the, the vehicle, you immediately went into the mine train. Uh, I'm sorry, into the mine where the dwarves were digging for mines. And, and then as you exited, you saw Dopey pointing up at a sign that said, you know, beware of the witch. And that's where you passed through the forest of, you know, with all the Snow White's little animal friends. And then there was a fork in the road and one went to the dwarf's cottage and then the other one went to the Wicked Witch's um, castle. And then, of course, your vehicle went towards the castle. And then there were the vultures on the tree. And then you would, um, and then you would, at at the castle entrance, you would start trying to escape towards the cottage and then the gate falls down and traps you inside and then that's where you go through some of the familiar scenes like you pass through the castle halls there's you pass by skeletons that they're moaning go back and guests are you know you see the witch's cauldron with her poison apple and then after you escape the castle you go through the dark forest filled with the living trees and then you get to the um dwarf's cottage and there's the witch in the doorway with the apple that she's offering to you. And then you, um, and then, then there's the the ending again, as you're going out, the witch is standing above you trying to move the boulder to crush the guests. And then you hear the witch meeting her demise, you know, as you exit. So anyway, so that's, that's it. So I would go on that. Not a bad choice. It was one I was considering, is my third, but ultimately I'm not going with it. But Tony, what would you choose for your third? Well, I noticed that there's obviously a theme in my three, and that's going up in the air. And I, so for some reason, I'm the only one that ever wants to go on Astro Orbiters. Back then, Astro Jets, I just like that. I love being up high to see it. I'm scared of some rides, so I feel proud that I'm up high and you know, going in a circle, seeing everything, and you're in a astro jet, mm-hmm. and it's 1959. Like, and I still get excited to do that in 2019. 
I'm really excited with my day. If it was today, I will go on all those rides, assuming Skyway, you know, comes back and, um, and there's no wanted poster. And I would love, <laughs> uh, you have a good day? Go, yes, I got to go on AstroJet and take my flight. We've got, it would, I, yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited and giddy to go on the AstroJets. I do have a question for you guys, the historians. Did they still, did it start with that little elevator? Remember, I'm back sorry, you broke up just point, a bit, Tony. Oh, at some point in its history, it had that red elevator that you went up. Did it right. have it back then? No, it was actually on the ground towards the back. Okay. It was one okay. of the. It was like one of the weenies to draw you in okay. the back of Tomorrowland. Okay. It was the 1967, um, or I'm sorry, the um, yeah, it was when the People Mover and all that went in that we saw okay. it go up. Okay. Yeah, 1967 so, Tomorrowland. I'm the ground. I'm in a jet. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So yes, still AstroJet. That's, because honestly, the little elevator was a little claustrophobic for me. So <laughs> I'm glad that I didn't have to go that on that in 1959. Yeah, I probably would have chosen this if I didn't already spin around in circles on Dumbo. Uh, I actually would go with Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So <laughs> it's it's not something that uh, I think is. I'm trying to look for the most delicate way to put this because I I don't want to offend anyone who is a Mr. Toad fanatic. But when I, I first visited Disneyland, uh, not the very first time, but once I started again with the Diz, it was one of those can't-miss attractions for me that I hadn't ridden Mr. Toad in so long, so now I needed to experience it every time. And it's it's definitely it's definitely a fun attraction, but it doesn't to to me it doesn't gel perfectly the entire way through of it uh, through it. But at the same time, too, I feel like I would want to be be riding a, a dark ride, and I I like Snow White, and Michael nearly sold me, especially on the the old version of Snow White. Uh, is very close and uh, you know peter pan for me i think it would be the same now then as it is now that the the line's just never going to be justified for me so if my only other option is mr toad's wild ride i'm probably going to be going with that i like mr toad this used to scare me when i was a boy i would always close my eyes and the train started coming at you (laughs) it didn't occur to me for a while it wasn't a real train (laughs) it's not (laughs) i just i I assumed that they put extra money into it so if if they're gonna kill me then they need to do it the right way but i think uh, that's a good one that's still one of my not miss. If I'm going to hang out in Fantasyland, I have to go on that one. Um, I, I still end up doing it every single time, but it's it doesn't have the same impact as my my first time doing it at Disneyland after not riding the Walt Disney World version for so mm-hmm. so long. It was it was special. Whereas then going back to something like Alice, every single time I ride Alice, it it feels so unique and special and. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It, it is. Yep. 
Um, but that's it for D tickets. We're going to wrap things up now with our E tickets. So new for, for this show. So we've got three of them. And because I'm doing this, I'm going to kick it off and take one that uh, potentially everyone else was going to choose anyways. So I have to throw it throw it down first. But I'm riding Matterhorn bobsleds. So mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things I feel like I wouldn't be able to to miss it at all. Just seeing the mountain there, seeing it running, uh, riding this piece of history at the time, uh, that first steel track roller coaster altogether. It's just it's something that I still ride to this day uh, painfully every single time. But. <laughs> It is just something about it drags me in every single time I see it. It might be the the mountain itself might be my favorite Disney icon in general. It's it's definitely up there. But uh, Tony, what about you? I will be right behind you at the Matterhorn for the of course the same reasons. But if I'm there tomorrow or today, I'm going on the Matterhorn, and I can maybe because I've, I've gone to both coasts enough that okay i can even though i know this i'm not gonna get into the whole differences between their version of a and you know our version or of b or whatever but matterhorn's there it's only at disneyland and it's still good in 2019 like you said even though you get hurt it's just it's the theme the fact of its location being kind of in the middle of, of both of the lands and it's just a fun ride with all this um, explanation of everything. It comes down to, it's just a fun ride and it's worth waiting in line for. And so, yeah, I'm going on Matterhorn and so far in my day, I'm really excited. And that's in 2019 and going all the things I'm going on. So yes, Matterhorn. Michael. I'm riding with you guys. I remember, and this is a different Matterhorn than what we're going on. This is my favorite uh, this is my favorite roller coaster, just hands down. I this I have to do, and I'm probably I will wait the hour or whatever it is to go on this. It's worth it to me. Um, but remember, the sky buckets are going through the Matterhorn. Yeah, this, I forgot in this yeah. version Better. of it, and and the and the interior is not themed, and we don't have the Yeti in there and all that, but it. Oh, in 1959, this seems so exciting and so scary and frightening and thrilling because it was so unique and it was in a mountain and you went in and out and the oh, it was amazing. It was pitch black, and um, I I still find it just as, as exciting today, you know, as I did back, you know, back when I was you know a wee lad. So um, I I just love this attraction. Yeah. It's. I, that's why we all chose it. So, uh, Tony, what's your second choice? My second choice would be the submarine voyage because it's so unique. The fact that you're going underwater and it's so, Im I know we talk about immersive lands with what star Wars is going to do and being a part of something and everything being themed exactly the, you know, perfectly in Harry Potter land be in universal. I apologize for bringing that up right on the show, but how it's immersive submarine voyage is pretty immersive. If you think about it, especially 
for back in 1959. Like, it's just so cool. I'm going to go with the simple words. Fun. This one, cool. You're underwater. You, they, I mean, they close the hatch. I remember getting, not to share everybody with my phobias, but I got a little claustrophobic on it mm-hmm. as a kid. But that means it was that good. It was that realistic. And I still, um, I still love the whole idea of it. So yes, a submarine voyage. Yeah, I'd be right there with you on that. Of course, it's it's opening today, so I'm I'm not going to miss out on this brand new attraction and one that that would have fascinated me way back when seeing those and wondering wondering what what people were seeing as they were going around. I just I, I feel like it would draw me in just the mystery of not knowing what was happening on the attraction and then and then once you finally get on and and see the world that's there underneath the water, I think it would just it it, it would be mind blowing back in nineteen fifty nine. And you know, even even to this day, while I don't love Finding Nemo submarine voyage, I, I still appreciate it for what it is and I appreciate the the history of the attraction as a whole. So I'm I'm riding submarine voyage. Well, I'll be right next to you on those little fold-down <laughs> seats. I I love this attraction, especially as a, a boy, because you know it was much more realistic back in those days. Because you know you were going you were, you know you were going under the polar ice, and it was yeah. sort of recreating the original Nautilus's journey. You know, the real nuclear submarine's journey under the polar ice cap. And then, and then you had the little whimsy at the end. But I remember, and and remember, opening day. There's going to be real mermaids in the lagoon, as well, and which is always fun. But I, a funny story. When I was really little, you know, I, and I was on the submarine voyage, and I was sitting on my mother's lap in this because you know we lived on the edge in those days. They didn't make us sit in our own seats. I was too little. I couldn't see out. My head didn't reach the porthole, so I was sitting on my mother's lap, and and then you know they had they had the scene where there are the mermaids, and my mother goes, oh, "Do you know what those are?" And I said, "Mommy," and the whole submarine started laughing. So um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I so I have a fond memory of that, but yeah, I would be there. And and you're right. Who else has submarines? You know, I mean, nobody. And in real water, because like they have them at Tokyo Disney Sea, but they're not in water because they've they're able now to create that effect without you know um, submersing the vehicles in yeah. water. So, no, it's so so anyway. cool. But what's what's your last pick, Michael? Um, well, because these guys are going to be walking off into the sunset, and this is one of the few pictures. I have of my mother and I at Disneyland when I was about not even two years old. And we're riding on one of these buggers together. My mom in her big flared pleated skirt and all that. Um, Rainbow Ridge pack mules. Mm. Uh, Just for nostalgia. And, you know, even though I've already gone around there in the Conestoga wagons, you know, they they were off in their little corner uh, of sort of an undeveloped area of – 
you know, of the Rainbow Ridge and you walk through them. But a lot of times you walked, you sort of mirrored where the same path as the train and all that, but you were going over land bridges and all that. You sort of had to, um, they were spooked really easily. So they couldn't get too close to a lot of things that, you know, a lot of the action. And so it was just fun. And they were temperamental sometimes, which is why they, um, you know, they went away, but um, yeah, I'm I'm going to ride a pack mule, and not not too bad. So, Tony, what about you? So maybe a surprise. I don't know, but I'm going to go on. And yes, I still like going on it now. The monorail. I love mm-hmm. the monorail still to this day, even when it's crowded in. Uh, in Florida with a bunch of travelers that are just using it to get their hotel or out here when it might get stuck. I still love the monorail. I love what it represents of the future still. And I just love, I just love the monorail. I like going on it still. And back in the, I think it was the nineties. I used to have this ticket somewhere. I went, I bought the ticket just to go on the monorail back when, okay, I'm not going to go Disneyland, but I'm stopping by. I'm going on the monorail. Just a one-round trip. I love the monorail that much. Mm-hmm. Even now with doors falling off, I still love it. I wish they would kind of update it and 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 you know make it a little safer. But I love the monorail on in both parks, but especially in Disneyland. So I go the monorail. I'll I'll be there too. So uh, you know this is this is another one of the things opening. Right on this day while we're visiting, so I feel like I'm I'm going to be immediately drawn to it. So uh, I and you kind of you kind of said it perfectly in your description of it, and then as Michael mentioned with with the submarine voyage, it's just seeing this this new this new ride technology that not seeing seeing before. I think it just instantly would would pull me in. And it's exactly what I I would be attracted to, and I mean, it's I know the monorails have changed over the year, but uh, it's just they're all iconic and in their own mm-hmm. special way. They are beautiful, they're beautiful pieces of machinery, and it's they deserve every little bit of appreciation that they get. And I I just shudder with fear of thinking that what if there was a day where there wasn't a monorail running through Disneyland anymore or, or taking guests around Walt Disney world. Like it just, I, I don't yeah. want that to ever happen. I think. And, and they've talked, they've talked about that at Disneyland. They've floated that idea from time to time. That would be horrible. Yeah. They, so, yeah. And, and the, I, and out of the monorails, I love the 1959 version of the monorail. Cause you have the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, and all that. I always thought that was cool. It looked so futuristic, and, you know. And it was, and it still sort is. of way. Yeah, it still is. And any, and I love the modern um, Disneyland monorails too. The the new, the sleeky, the ones that are sleek. But yeah. I don't know. I have a fondness for those bubble ones. <laughs> yeah. They're all perfect. But we had a good day. That's that's we did. It was a lot of fun, and then we can watch fantasy in the sky. I imagine they have that, and uh, you know who knows, and get a corn dog. (laughs) Yeah, but of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
all kinds of stuff. There'll be parades. There'll be all kinds of stuff going on in 1959. So this was fun. It was so much fun walking down memory Main Street <laughs> with you guys. So yeah, yeah. So thanks, thanks, Tony, for joining us. Well, yeah, thank you thank for inviting you. me again. I wasn't sure the last time we went to Disneyland. You know, there was you know a couple of rough spots and me trying to sell waters in the park and security <laughs> came to me. But I was hoping maybe when the, the new rides open, they'll invite me to come back and we can go to Disneyland again. So thank you for inviting me and letting me join you guys on this day of Disneyland in 1959. Oh, it was our pleasure. Well, we'll, we'll have to have you back the next time we get in our Carousel of Progress Wayback Machine and visit yeah, another era of Disneyland. Maybe, maybe when it's new Tomorrowland, we'll have okay. to come back. So. I'd like 70 so I can dress like that. Just just a request. Just, oh. just run that out. Yeah, did you see how fancy everybody was in the park as we visited in 1959? Men in suits, women in dresses. Yes, Some but in... I noticed there was no profanity on t-shirts or people dressed <laughs> inappropriately. Yeah, people looking like they were walking through the park in their underwear. Yeah. Yes, was, <laughs> and and no, did you notice... There were no cal- cal- uh, can- uh, no wagon size strollers. Well, uh, are you going to say smoking. Yeah, well, only in designated areas. But there, <laughs> but I was going to say the lack of strollers. They, yes. they in 1959 we were forced to walk. Can you believe it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hanging on to my mother's dress because, of course, the dresses were much longer. In those days, and I was hanging on to a dress or a hand, and I was walking <laughs> to, through that part. So that's just so it's so funny that that's how it was mm-hmm. compared to now. I'm not making a value statement. I'm just saying it's just fun. it's just so interesting how different it was. Yeah. Now, now, did we have lunch in the park, or did we go out to the to the car and eat out of the back of our station wagon? <laughs> And have lunch well, and okay, sandwiches our mothers lunch. made for us. <laughs> I was at Animal Kingdom and there was a family that had their cooler. They were in the middle of the crowded walkway making sandwiches, just sat down right in the middle on the way to Everest, like not even to the side, not to the left, not to the right, flat in the middle where people are walking by them on both sides. So, well, that's because they were the only ones who paid to be there. And so that's because then they oh, there, deserved. Yeah, there you go. So, there you go. Yes. Oh, anyway. Now, but a lot of families, that, you know, the parking lot's right outside the gate. They would go back to their cars and it's true. Just eat I wouldn't there. be surprised that my parents didn't do that now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. Oh, I think we did a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'd have hamburgers in Fantasyland or something and hot mm-hmm. dogs. I was going to say, yeah. I'm, I'm buying lunch at least this time. You're on your own for dinner, but I, I buy lunch. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Tony. We'll, we will see you again real soon. Okay, I'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Well, Craig, after going back in time to 1959, we have to go back in time for the week of May 5th to see what happened on these days in Disney history. Are you all set? I am. I hope you're uh, only choosing 
anything that is happening from uh, from 1959. So no, make it easier. <laughs> unfortunately, no. I know because it's fresh in our minds. Yeah. So, okay, for May 5th, in a, a historic first, all 10 of the Disney theme parks around the world collectively kick off the festivities on May 5th, 2005. For what event? Uh, um, that would have been. I'm assuming that this probably would have been the start of the celebration for the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. That's correct. The happiest celebration on earth. I was I was starting for a second to second guess myself. I wasn't paying like a ton of attention to Disneyland back then, but I was just thinking about like in terms of the 60th, yeah. 60th birthday wasn't until obviously july but that didn't stop things from kicking off in may so oh no not at all (laughs) (laughs) because it wouldn't make sense if they would actually start celebrating something right on the exact date (laughs) all right so good there you are off to a good start Okay, so for May 6th, the live stage show, this live stage show, officially debuted on May 6th, 2009 in the Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland. It will close in just six weeks. What live stage show is this? I... I honestly don't know this, Uh, believe it or not. This is notorious, this show. Um, it's Stitch's Supersonic Celebration. I, okay, yeah, I remember hearing about this, but it, yeah, it was a six-week run when I wasn't uh-huh. living in Florida. Uh, there had no chance that, that I saw this, So, and oh, I know gosh. I didn't. The, the, the script uh, people, I think people lost their jobs over this. I mean, it was bad. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I didn't see it, it, but I watched it on YouTube just to see how dreadful is this. And um, yeah, it, it, it lives up to its reputation. Yeah, um, it's it's very easy to get terrible when you include Stitch. So yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, standing in the hot sun on that that and that stage was new, and and you're just standing there, no seats or anything. Yeah, so it made it worse. <laughs> A lot of bad choices all coming yeah. together at once. Yeah. Okay, May 7th, the television series Walt Disney Presents airs part one of Andrew's Raiders on May 7th, 1961. Now, this is based on a true story from the American Civil War. It was originally released in theaters in 1956 under a different title. What was this film's original title? I am not sure. It's the Great Locomotive Chase. Oh, one of our favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the oh, one I that didn't... Walt and Roy took back to Marceline. Oh, why did they debut. change yeah. the name? I have no idea. Yeah, it is curious. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you tricked me on that one, so congratulations. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, May 8th. 
On May 8, 1991, newspapers report that the Walt Disney Company has proposed a $3.1 billion project to build a new theme park. What is the name of this proposed theme park? I believe that was Westcott. It was, which would be the second gate at Disneyland. And the tentative plans call to build hotels, retail space, and a second theme park patterned after Epcot on 470 acres. This park would be part of the Anaheim Commercial Recreation Area and is designed to make Disneyland a multi-day destination like Walt Disney World. And it's unfortunate this was not built. Yeah, I, while I know plenty of people out there who appreciate who appreciate Disney California Adventure, it, they pretty much will say if they were if they were in the mix back when when this was all being planned and stuff, they they fully admit that they are disappointed that Westcott actually never came to be that it was mm-hmm. just supposed to be so so amazing that yes it's it's a shame that it never actually happened mm-hmm. yeah it is but michael eisner got cold feet after euro disneyland yeah so. uh-huh. mm. it's a shame oh yeah okay oh, and there were other things too the neighbors started to complain when they saw the plans <laughs> and this big gold sphere and all that kind of stuff yeah. <laughs> and so Anyway, okay, on May 9th, legendary Disneyland entertainer Wally Bowe guest stars on episode 520 of this now classic television series on May 9th, 1981. In honor of Bogue, the show hosts, now owned by the Walt Disney Company, salute vaudeville with a balloon animal act, bagpipes, and even a hypnotist. Bogue also performs the act he made famous at the Golden Horseshoe Review at Disneyland, including the Pecos Bill teeth-spitting sketch. What television show did Bogue make his appearance? Wait. I am not quite sure. You know, I always have to throw one of these at you. It's the Muppet Show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I'm sure I saw this because I watched yeah. the Muppet Show religiously. But um, Yeah, I, I, I have only seen the first three seasons and i don't remember this being on any of those so uh mm-hmm. but they haven't they haven't released the full series of the muppet show yeah because maybe it'll be on that. disney plus someday I, i'm sure they will so I, I would watch that i absolutely i would watch it and i would appreciate it i don't see them putting that on there though it's mm. it's one of those things that that's like a complete afterthought. Why would anyone want to watch that? Oh my gosh, I would love it, but I bet they would have all kinds of um, permission rights with the guest stars that they had every week. Yeah. So yeah, that deal with music used. And, uh, it's always. I mean, anytime, yeah. anything. That's why it, like it took forever to to get any of the the Wonder Years uh, released, not just mm-hmm. on on like uh home formats but then in streaming too because a lot of the music wasn't cleared and so they had to go in rework stuff it just 
it's it, that they just didn't always think of those things way back when when they were doing yeah. it whether it was the the 70s or 80s or even sometimes now it's weird when you'll watch something a first time and then see see it the next time like they cut that part out or they changed it for for music that was in it or mm-hmm. whatever it, you have it but yeah. yeah that kind of stuff's weird Okay, May 10th, for the first time since moving to Hollywood, Walt Disney delivers a cartoon without a continuing character on May 10th, 1929. What is the name of this cartoon? Would that be Skeleton Dance? It is. That's right. The first of the Silly Symphonies series. And it will be released in August 1929. You're really hitting all these here. Oh, I think I've missed three so far, though. Really? Oh, yeah, okay. no. Well, you're I, doing well. Okay. I miss Muppets. I missed. Uh, I missed more. <laughs> mm. Okay, May eleventh. This hit television sitcom airs part one of a two-part special filmed at Walt Disney World on May eleventh, nineteen ninety-three. What is the name of this television show? In 93, I'm assuming this one would have been the full house, the yes, house meets I the had, mouse. I had to put this in because you brought it up recently. Oh, yeah. Full house goes to Walt Disney World in part one of the house meets the mouse when Uncle Jesse's band, the Rippers, gets a gig at Walt Disney World over his wedding anniversary. He and his wife, Becky, oh, how sad. I guess he'll be bringing her cigarette butts and black coffee to their uh, their next anniversary to the big house. Decide to take the whole gang with them. The the cast stayed at the Grand Floridian while shooting as many scenes were actually shot at the deluxe resort. Yeah, it's... it's excellent television if you have hulu uh, it's all the full houses available on there and you can watch the house meets the mouse and i i'll have to look that one i i, I have never seen the show as i mentioned before yeah. I, I had no idea uncle jesse and i want well, becky i guess it makes sense <laughs> they got married so yeah no yeah. it's a, a you don't have to like the show to be able to appreciate the walt disney world episodes no so. no i always like those one of my favorite though is when Modern Family goes yeah, the to Disneyland Walt Disney World and, yeah, and Gloria in their shoes. Yeah, yeah, oh, and finally switch into the uh, the slippers by the end of it. And I feel like the reason I'm so stubborn now about uh, great moments with Mr. Lincoln is because of of it being in that episode. <laughs> oh, it's like walking on clouds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, nice nice job there. You saved yourself at the end with old Aunt Becky and Uncle Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had a good time traveling back to Disneyland 1959. And, of course, if, if you heard at the very beginning of the episode, this, that was episode 99, so... Next week, it is our big one zero zero. It's our centennial episode. And we we have a very special episode for you next week. I mean, it, we're not taking Uncle Jesse and Aunt Becky to Walt Disney World, but, you know, it, it'll be something cool. Yep. It's, uh, it's one that you surely will not want to miss. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, uh, there was a website article that I found um, helpful in prepping for this show, and that's jansworld.net, The History of Disneyland Tickets from 1955 to 2000, and Greg will have a, a link to that in our show notes. So, Craig, where can our listeners connect with you on the Diz Unplugged network of shows? Uh, As always, you can find me Tuesdays on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast and other random days of the week on stuff like the Universal Edition podcast, uh, Disneyland Edition, Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, and yeah, that's that's, you you know where you find me. And then, as always, (laughs) Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? Well, you can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. And Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. So if you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplugged.com. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. <laughs> <laughs>